This is the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of plantyourself.com. Today's episode is number 135, and my guest is Susan Benegas. Susan is the executive director of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. She is founder of the Plantrition Project, which teaches doctors about the benefits and healing power of plant-based nutrition, and she is the founder of the International Plant-Based Nutrition Healthcare Conference. So I was delighted to discover that Susan is not a doctor, but essentially a marketer. Because, like her, I too am not a doctor. I got my chops in the communication world as a marketer following um, a long career as a teacher and student of public health and health education. And for many years, I ran away from my marketing background. Once I got into the health field, I kind of felt like marketing was sullying my career. And it's taken me a while to embrace the skills and strategies and tactics that I learned and used as a marketer, because quite frankly, sometimes I didn't always use them for good. And sometimes I use tactics that looking back, I wish I hadn't. But Susan is a marketer through and through, and she has a really clear vision of what she wants to accomplish in the world through marketing. And it is basically rejiggering medical education so that doctors will treat first with lifestyle changes and last with drugs and surgeries. And I'm sure you can imagine she's facing quite an uphill battle. Uh, There are a lot of entrenched interests uh, arrayed against this proposition. There's a lot of ignorance. There is a lot of, uh, shall we say, lack of humility in the medical profession. And So it's remarkable to see the things that Susan has accomplished in just a few years of working on this. She's risen to positions of leadership in existing organizations and has created organizations where the need was there, but the organization was not. And so I'm thrilled to be able to share with you my conversation. And so without further ado, Susan Benegas, welcome to the Plant Yourself podcast. Thank you, Howard. Glad to be with you. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about. Um, I see one, one of the things we have in common is backgrounds in marketing, which I'd love to get into. But first, why don't you tell us uh, what you do what, and what you're involved in? I currently serve as the executive director of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, which is the medical professional society in, in the United States that uh, represents medical professionals and those in other professions who are truly passionate about advancing the cause of lifestyle medicine. And I'm also the founder of the Plantrition Project and co-founder of the International Plant-Based Nutrition Healthcare Conference. All right, so those, those are three powerhouses. Um, first, before, before we get into the backstory, define lifestyle medicine. Lifestyle medicine is uh, directly related to the use of lifestyle as a therapeutic intervention to... Uh, not only prevent, but even more importantly, to treat and reverse the chronic lifestyle-related diseases that are, you know, all too prevalent in our populations around the world, both here in the United States and and abroad. And uh, and so, you know, lifestyle medicine is tied to the fact that we have 80% or more of all healthcare spending in this country is tied directly to the treatment of conditions that are rooted in poor lifestyle choices. So it just makes sense that 
lifestyle medicine needs to become the foundation of, uh, you know, what we really are uh, espousing being a transformed healthcare system. Gotcha. Okay, so as, as, as you mentioned to me before we started recording, you're, you're not a clinician. You uh, are an entrepreneur, business person, marketer, PR person. How did you get involved in this space? Yeah, that's right, Howard. I am definitely not a clinician, although, you know, I'm certainly a student of, of everything related to this space. And, uh, but my background is business, business management, marketing, public relations. Uh, and I think that it's important that the clinician world and the marketing world come together to really drive forward this message. Uh, specifically, how I really got involved in this particular space was uh, I, I currently live in St. Louis. I've been here since 2000. And back in 2004, St. Louis found itself on every fat and unhealthy list that was published from Men's Health and Men's Fitness to Self Magazine. And uh, I had the opportunity to cross paths with uh, St. Louis Mayor Slay uh, to talk about this and to discuss with him doing something very proactive. And, and as a result of that, a public-private partnership was formed with the city, the county, and Charter for Communications, which at the time was the third largest cable provider in the country. And we launched an initiative called Get Hooked on Health St. Louis and uh, launched a weekly television show, a, a portal named Ozzie Smith, the fitness czar of St. Louis, and recorded many PSAs uh, with him that aired on Charter's cable networks. And then we produced the Get Hooked on Health Expo that in the first year drew over 36,000 people. And, and this really kind of positioned me as the Get Hooked on Health lady, which led to several of the large employers in St. Louis reaching out to me and, and inquiring about uh, uh, engaging services and helping them develop worksite health promotion programs and out of that a partnership was formed and a company called uh, Amp It Up For Life which was a health promotion company was formed. I had the opportunity to be president of that organization for a number of years and uh, and that really then thrust me in, into the worksite health promotion space which was very much a, a status quo approach of doing biometric screenings, health risk assessments, when employees were found to have chronic conditions or multiple risk factors, we did what all the other worksite health promotion programs were doing and encouraged them to see their primary care physicians, get a script, and it was all about beating the drum of medication persistency. And at some point, I stepped back and thought, something is really wrong with this picture. I just didn't believe that God designed us all to become chronically ill and dependent on pharmaceuticals, yet, you know, we now have over 70% of Americans on prescription medications, over 90% of our seniors, and so clearly that is what our disease care system was doing. And there were just a number of things that were really coming to light that I just was questioning, and I didn't understand why we weren't focusing on identifying and eradicating the cause of disease. And it was at this time that I was invited to a presentation by a local oncologist and uh, showed up knowing that the topic was going to be something about health. She opened up talking about what poor health she had found herself in in her early 50s, uh, a skin condition, arthritis, fibromyalgia. And she held up a book and said, but this book has changed my life. 
and it's changing the lives of many of my patients. And it was the China study by T. Colin Campbell. This was in late 2007. I'd not heard of Dr. Campbell or the China study, but I wrote it down and, and, and proceeded to go out and buy the book, started reading it, and oh my goodness, Howard, I said it was the most paradigm-shifting read of my adult life because it connected the dots and really emphasized that you know, we, we don't have a healthcare system. We have a disease and disability care system. And, uh, and, and then it really, of course, then through the connection between what we're eating and our health, you know, what we're eating and disease. And it was just such an eye opener for me and completely changed the trajectory of both my personal and professional life. Hmm. So I want, to, I want to unpack a few things that you talked about. The, my, my first curiosity is when you got involved in the Hooked on Health St. Louis, what, like, did you already care about health, have a background? Was this just like a, you know, a marketer looking for uh, a gig? Like what, was, what was driving you? Well, I'd always had an interest in nutrition and health promotion and uh, and I've been monitoring things that were going on on the national basis. It, it, back at that time, you know, back again, probably 2003, 2002, Philadelphia had kicked off a program called Philadelphia Fit, Fun, and Free, where they partnered with the Philadelphia 76ers to lose 76 tons. And, uh, and then there was Fit City San Antonio, and a number of the NBC television affiliates around the country had been producing these health and fitness expos. And so, you know, already at that time, you know, there was talking then about our growing obesity trends and some of these things. So I was definitely tuned into that and just knew that there was a need. And, and again, with St. Louis, you know, where I, where I live, uh, being on all of these lists that uh, were the antithesis of great health, I, you know, it, just, it, was, it was timing. And I just felt... Um, you know, I felt in my heart that it was something that uh, that I wanted to pursue, not knowing at the time, you know, where this would lead. But, you know, certainly, I, you know, I think as we look back on our life journeys, you know, it's often interesting where you see how all the different um, things really kind of converge and connect to bring us to the point in our lives where, you know, we really know that we're doing what God designed us to do. And that's how I definitely feel today. Right. So you sound like you were always health conscious. You sound like you know the sort of person who would exercise, take care of yourself, go to the doctor. Um, were you in personally in in good health from following the the sort of the, the mainstream playbook? Yeah, I would say that you know without really knowing it, uh, I certainly was embracing and integrating many of the lifestyle medicine principles into my own life. Uh, you know, what I find very ironic is that back in late 2007, when I read the China study and had my paradigm shift, I started voraciously searching online for everything in this space. And, uh, and I came across the American College of Lifestyle Medicine at that time. It had been founded in 2004 by Dr. John Kelly and, and many of the founding members such as Dr. Michael Greger and Dean Ornish and Colin Campbell and Caldwell Esselstyn, you know, were involved in ACLM. But ACLM 
uh, at that time, you had to be a clinician to be involved, to be a member. And I wanted so desperately to be involved in ACLM, but I wasn't a clinician. And so, again, it's, uh, I, I find it very ironic that today I now have the privilege of being the executive director of that organization. <laughs> so you just never know how uh, the journey will lead. Yeah. So, so I'm real curious about your disenchantment with the, because because you know you're as 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 marketers and maybe I'm speaking for myself when I see something working at any level I kind of fixate on that like look you know look we've got thirty six six thousand people attending this and we've got attendance up and we just we're just always we're just trained to look for the positive and to promote that and I'm really curious how you got to the point where you said you know all this stuff is happening and all these organizations are forming and people are being you know compliant and yet there were you weren't seeing the results you were looking for. What made you even look for higher results than just sort of participation? Well, I mean, you can look back to, uh, well, let's just say this. For instance, the University of Michigan Health Management Research Center, Dr. D. Eddington is the founder of that. And they have done health risk assessments maybe longer than anyone else. Yet, they they will say that in their research it shows that it's something like 97 or 98% of people that lose weight often gain it back. You know, they gain the weight back and even more so. You know, my point being is that in the worksite health promotion space, tens of millions, hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars have been spent. Yet, what results do we really have to show for it? We continue to see in this country, both in workplace populations as well as the just population at large, despite all of the campaigns, all of the efforts that have been done, uh, we are not seeing the results that we need to see, that we must see. We're continuing to see rising obesity trends, rising chronic disease trends, and even with our aging population, typically will come a correlation uh, directly of those continuing to rise chronic disease trends. And it's a freight train that we must get in front of. We must do things differently. You know, as the saying goes, you know, what's the true definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And, uh, and we cannot continue to do that. And I think for me, you know, the China study, uh, Dr. Campbell, whom I then had the opportunity to meet in early 2008 and consider him now a dear friend and colleague, and as, you know, such as Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn and uh, David Katz, who's the president of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, Dr. Michael Gregor, who's one of the founding members of ACLM. I mean, so many of these people really now are at the helm and uh, focusing in on the root causes of these diseases. Again, we must identify and eradicate the root causes. And in the lifestyle medicine space, you know, I, I often talk about, you know, how important it is, the, the various tenets of lifestyle medicine from sleeping well and managing your stress and, of course, exercising and building healthy relationships in your life, not smoking, uh, keeping alcohol to a minimum, and then the food piece. You know, I believe very strongly that food does trump all. You know, we can manage 
manage our stress and sleep well, but if we really are, have not fully integrated the optimal dietary lifestyle into our lives, it can jeopardize the gains we may be making in other parts of our life. And uh, so that's why I have a very keen focus on, on the food piece. Uh, you know, that's my founding of the Plantrition Project, along with Dr. Scott Stoll and Tom Dunham, and then our co-founding of the International Plant-Based Nutrition Healthcare Conference. And, and even in, in the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, the optimal dietary lifestyle recommendation is a predominantly healthy plant-based diet. So I'm curious about you know, your, your leadership role as a business person. And, I'm, and again, I'm, I'm probably projecting from my own journey from marketing is, you know, when I was working on Whole with T. Colin Campbell or more recently Proteinaholic with Dr. Garth Davis, I have this tendency as a marketer to kind of want to make things really stark and black and white. And the doctors and the, and the, the researchers are like, well, it's a little more nuanced than that. And I'm, I'm wondering, you know, what, what you think marketers can and should bring to the movement that, that clinicians and researchers maybe aren't, aren't so strong at? My focus very much is in reaching the medical professional community. And the reason for that was back uh, several years ago, probably, you know, 2010, 2011, you know, when I took a step back, I came to the conclusion that we were not going to see broad sweeping shifts in dietary lifestyle specifically until our medical professionals really learned about and embraced and began to espouse what we know to be the optimal dietary lifestyle and other tenets of lifestyle medicine. And, and unfortunately, in our current medical education establishment, there is such little focus on lifestyle medicine and on dietary lifestyle, let alone whole food plant-based nutrition. You know, our medical education is very much based on an allopathic approach of diagnosing and, and treating and, and, and medicating. And, and yet we know that the solution is not about more pills and procedures. We really do have to educate, equip, and empower people to understand they're not a victim of their genes, but they truly do have the power to a very large extent to prevent, treat, and even reverse these chronic conditions. Now, as far as messaging goes, I, I think that, uh, that in the, where dietary lifestyle is concerned, I'm always a proponent, and even in the materials that we produce and make available to the clinicians we serve, that it's about the rule. You know, you have the dietary lifestyle rule, which is a predominantly whole food plant-based diet where you select from your whole grains and beans and lentils, uh, vegetables, fruits, and nuts and seeds. So, you know, it's very clear-cut, very simple. And then it's then people understand that if they're selecting from outside that box, that that's an exception to the rule. So it makes it very simple. I wouldn't say that it's necessarily black and white, 
but uh, but it's a simple rule. It's clear to communicate. Uh, but certainly, Howard, you know, from a marketing communication standpoint, there's always challenges. But the good news is, I think we're making tremendous progress. Hmm. So, what what have you seen in the medical? Community, because I, you know, I'm I'm involved locally and talking with lots of doctors, and I'm building a local uh, consulting practice, so I'm always looking for referral partners, and I'm still amazed after all these years at the the gap between the evidence and the awareness. So, what what have you seen that gives you reason for for hope and optimism in in terms of doctors becoming aware of the power of lifestyle? I definitely feel the wave surging. And I think everyone that I work with, there's just this shared sentiment that the time is now, that there's just this growing awareness, which I think is rooted in the fact that that the medical community and even the patient community, it's like we, we're just having this awakening. And, and not only in the United States, but around the world, where other lifestyle medicine organizations are emerging in other countries around the world, there's this awakening that something is definitely wrong, that we've been spending a fortune on healthcare, we've been having all sorts of you know, promotional campaigns, and yet we continue to see these rising obesity trends and chronic disease trends. And so people are starting to really recognize that our healthcare spending is tied directly to these chronic lifestyle-related conditions. And so lifestyle medicine, there is this awareness. And, and, and we just see physicians, for instance, I just had the, um, the Lifestyle Medicine 2015 conference that ACLM just produced in Nashville week before last. We had nearly six hundred physicians and medical practitioners from across the country, around the world, and then six weeks ago had the International Plant-Based Nutrition Healthcare Conference in Anaheim, the third annual conference. Again, nearly 600 physicians and, and healthcare practitioners uh, representing, I think, 13 or 15 countries there. Uh, and so the good news is that the science that overwhelmingly supports the efficacy of lifestyle medicine and of whole food plant-based nutrition is, is beginning to really uh, get the traction and notice that is necessary to move this conversation forward. Because it isn't that there's a lack of evidence. Far from it. It's there. You can go to, you know, plantbasedresearch.org that Michaela Carlson has started. You can even go to the American College of Lifestyle Medicine website. Under the About Us, there's a tab, Scientific Evidence, that has link after link after link to research studies that, uh, that again, support the efficacy of lifestyle medicine. So I think that, uh, I think the message has been, uh, maybe suppressed and even undermined uh, to a large extent because there's not a lot of profit in health, yet there's tremendous profit in disease. And so, so the disease system that we've had for many, many years has been enormously profitable for 
many, many organizations. And so the thought of and the approach of educating, equipping, and empowering people to protect their health and prevent disease is unfortunately a threat in some ways to, uh, you know, some of the, the entities that have really been profiting to a very large extent uh, from the, the disease state that we've had. So I'm really curious how you talk about that, because in, in just this, this conversation, I have an image of you as a very, very positive person, always looking for what we can do next, looking for the good in people. And yet you face this, you know, whether we call it a conspiracy or a systemic um, flaw that, that leads the system to, uh, to suppress life-saving information. How do you, how do you deal with you know, uh, like the, the the so many myriad ways in which these entrenched interests, pharmaceutical, hospitals, device manufacturers, uh, food makers, etc., have have twisted the system. How, how do you how do you talk about that with people, and how how do you deal with it? Well, one thing that that's interesting too, and, and another. Uh, initiative that I have been helping to birth directly out of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine is the True Health Initiative. It was formally launched just two weeks ago in Nashville at the American College of Lifestyle Medicine annual conference. David Katz, the ACLM's president, is the founder of the True Health Initiative. And the True Health Initiative has been formed specifically to address these types of Realities, you know, the misinformation, the confusion, uh, the misrepresented research studies, uh, you know, to really bring together one authoritative global voice that will be somewhat of a consumer report of all health uh, information. Um, you know, I, I think Howard that uh, that in many respects people don't know what they don't know. And I think that goes for, you know, many in, in the healthcare space. When we look at the stakeholders that comprise our healthcare system, whether it's, uh, you know, it's the, the government is certainly a stakeholder through Medicare and Medicaid. We have our self-insured employers, our health providers, health insurers, health benefit consultants. I mean, there's many of these stakeholders. And I think sometimes we are in a position where we're just, you know, we're paddling along with the status quo, not really thinking about the why behind what's really driving what we're doing. And so part of our mission through the American College of Lifestyle Medicine and now through the True Health Initiative that we're helping to birth, even through the Plantrition Project, uh, it's to sound the trumpet of truth and to really draw awareness to the fact that we must, we must, we do not have a choice. We must come together, recognize the reality of the situation, recognize the very simple solution of being able to clearly communicate to people that they do, to a very large extent, have the power to take control of their health and to be able to uh, avoid getting in the whole system of chronic conditions and medications, 
and even to uh, halt the progression of their disease, even reverse their disease. And, and that's exciting good news. And that's what enables me to be extremely positive because I feel that uh, those of us who have had the paradigm shift, who have you know, been awakened to the reality of the situation, uh, that you know, we have this good news to share. And people are so receptive. Certainly we won't reach everyone. You know, there will always be those people that say, I don't care. I want to live however I want to live, eat however I want to eat, and I'll just take the pill and hope that it fixes my problem. Uh, and, and that's fine because we, we recognize that we won't reach everyone. But there is a huge segment of the population out there of both medical professionals and the patients they serve who have a right to hear this information and uh, and they will embrace it. I mean, I think we, we see it just through the reaction and the, the continuing um, following of people who are embracing forks over knives, for instance, and the China study and prevent reverse heart disease. And so as we effectively put forth the information through documentaries, through books, through other educational tools and resources, and even... Uh, CME-accredited curriculum and other education, uh, we're, we're just seeing this groundswell of, of individuals, both within the healthcare community and the patient community, who are taking the step to take control of their health and to help transform the healthcare system. Okay. So in, in, uh, in my circle of, of friends and acquaintances, there are a lot of people who would agree with you and me, that pharmaceuticals are not the answer, that we need to deal with the root causes, that lifestyle is the most important determinant and, and diet is the probably the biggest part of lifestyle. And they say we should be eating grass-fed beef, more meat, um, avoiding gluten, you know, the whole paleo, grain brain, wheat belly. And they also, if you go to their websites, they have lots and lots of studies and I'm wondering, first of all, if, if you think that to a certain extent they're allies at this point in the movement, or is this a distraction and unfortunate, or, and, and how, how do we help people uh, navigate? From the standpoint of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine and ACLM standards, we espouse that a predominantly whole food plant-based diet is the optimal dietary lifestyle recommendations. And the science overwhelmingly supports this. We also recognize, and, and through uh, David Kett's leadership of the True Health Initiative, the True Health Initiative is uh, an effort to bring together many of these voices that sometimes would disagree, but it's about bringing together people who will say, from a Lauren Cordain, who's you know, a leader in the payload movement, to those involved in ACLM who are very much leaders of a whole food plant-based movement, to focus on the fact that, well, even those, to a large extent, would have a far better option than the standard American diet. The standard American diet is comprised of 63% or even more packaged processed foods. 
So David Katz always talks about that uh, Michael Pollan said it best in seven words. Eat, eat real food, not too much, mostly plants. From my personal perspective, I am definitely a proponent of whole food plant-based nutrition. You know, it's one of the things that I said, even when, when the American College of Lifestyle Medicine first approached me uh, with the opportunity to become their executive director, I said that the number one thing was that we had to be congruent. I had to know that that, which I so personally believe in, was that which would also be espoused by ACLM. And that's absolutely the case in the, in the American College of Lifestyle Medicine standards that does, again, espouse a whole food plant-based diet as optimal. And, and then again, it gets back to uh, I, don't, I don't believe in a militant approach. I don't like the V word, you know, the vegan, vegetarian, because I believe that that focuses solely on what one does not eat not on what one should consume for optimal health. And therefore, the, the dietary rule, the dietary rule being whole food, plant-based, and then when one makes an exception to that rule, they clearly understand that it's an exception. And not that anything is absolutely prohibited, but that there's an awareness of what we're doing and how it impacts our health. Hmm. Okay. So uh, tell us a little bit about the plantrician movement. The plantrician project. Well, plantrician, a plantrician being a clinician who understands the power of whole food plant-based nutrition in regard to empowering people to take control of their health. And so the plantrician project, I, I first wrote the con conceptual overview for it back in 2011, 2011, 2012, and uh, and it was with the focus of reaching the medical community with the power of this message. So the mission of the Plantrician Project, which was formally established in 2013 as a Missouri not-for-profit corporation, a 501c3, our mission is to develop educational events tools, and resources for clinicians and those they serve. So we, we began with Dr. Scott Stoll, Tom Dunham, myself coming together and co-founding the International Plant-Based Nutrition Healthcare Conference, which the third annual conference was just held a few weeks ago in, in Anaheim. Uh, again, as I said, drew almost 600 people from Gosh, as many as uh, I think up to 15 countries, 13 or 15 countries this year. And the focus is to provide CME accredited education for physicians, medical practitioners around the topic of whole food plant-based nutrition, preventive nutritional medicine as a means of disease prevention, treatment, and reversal. And the response has been absolutely phenomenal. Again, to see this just awakening uh, from coast to coast and around the world of medical practitioners who, for whatever reason, have had their own paradigm shift. It's impacting their own lives, the lives of their families, and their medical practices. And then taking it one step forward, uh, this year we also launched plantbaseddocs.com. 
as a global directory of uh, plant-based clinicians who, you know, want to make it known to patients in their areas that they will use a lifestyle medicine first approach to their treatment plans. Uh, and then we also launched the Plant-Based Nutrition Quick Start Guide and in association with Ruby Cooking School, launched Culinary Rx as a 60-day online nutrition literacy and plant-based cooking education program. And, and we did that in response to so many physicians and other healthcare practitioners saying, gosh, you know, I've had the paradigm shift. I believe this, but I'm caught in this fee-for-service healthcare system of seeing 40 to 50 patients a day. So how can I prescribe, quote-unquote, a whole food plant-based diet to my patients. And so in response to that, it's why we created the Plant-Based Nutrition Quick Start Guide and, uh, and then Culinary Rx. And it's been amazing to see the results. I'm, over 5,000 Quick Start Guides have been ordered in the last six weeks. They're, you know, we sell them for cost. Uh, it enables a physician or medical professional to literally give the guide to their patients. We even created little RX pads that uh, enable them to prescribe, like, watch forks over knives, visit nutritionfacts.org, uh, and it has a couple of the resources that we offer, such as the, the guide, Culinary RX, and even a new the Plant-Based Nutrition Ultimate Resource Guide, which is found at resources.plantritionproject.org, which is a library of curated information, really the best-in-class information that's available on one site. Uh, that enables doctors to send their patients there to find best-in-class information about whole food plant-based nutrition. So these tools, uh, which the creation of which are the mission of the Plantrition Project, are really meeting that need. And uh, you know we're, we're thrilled to see the to see the response and knowing that you know we're facilitating clinicians' ability to prescribe this dietary lifestyle. Mm. That's amazing work. Um, and, you know, I have a friend, a local friend who's actually our, our family physician, and he got involved, saw Forks Over Knives, started watching nutritionfacts.org religiously, and I think just returned from Nashville. And one of the things I, I was asking him about what what keeps doctors from having these conversations? And one of his points was that doctors like to know more than patients and they like to be experts. And they're simply, you know, if you start talking about nutrition, you know, the, the, you've read a book, they've read a book and you're, you're, you don't have any expertise. What, what are you working on uh, kind of upstream to get plant-based education into medical schools? The American College of Lifestyle Medicine has partnered with the American College of Preventive Medicine in producing a Lifestyle Medicine Core Competencies online program. It was developed through a grant that was provided by Cummins Corporation. Dexter Sherney uh, is the Chief Medical Officer at Cummins and has been a longtime board member and, and member of ACLM. And so Dexter, in wanting to initiate a lifestyle medicine-focused worksite health promotion program within Cummins employee population, knew that a curriculum needed to be developed to educate providers. 
so his motivation was he wanted a curriculum that would educate the providers that interface with Cummins employees. So we were the beneficiary of being able to help facilitate this. And probably by the end of the first quarter of 2016, this 30-hour CME-accredited curriculum will be available to physicians around the world. And so we're excited about that. Now, that doesn't really impact medical schools, but it will be available to those who are already practicing. And we're working, again, in, in association and in collaboration with others on other curriculums that are being developed. And then a new Lifestyle Medicine Education Collaborative has been formed and funded through the Ardmore Institute of Health that's specifically focused on developing more curriculum that is specific to medical school education. There's just tremendous movement in this area, Howard, not only in developing more educational events and online programs for existing physicians and medical practitioners, but also for medical schools. Because, again, thank goodness, there's just a recognition that there's been this big gaping void where, you know, most physicians come out of medical school and maybe they've had one class on uh, anything related to lifestyle medicine or nutrition, and certainly it hasn't been focused on whole food plant-based nutrition, if they have had any education. And so you're right. I think that, uh, that, that there is this void, and that's what organizations like the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, the Plantrition Project, uh, and, and others are really uh, working to fill and, uh, and are doing so effectively. There's certainly a, a big ocean of people out there. In this country alone, we have nearly 500,000 family practice doctors and then nearly 500,000 other doctors. And that doesn't even take into consideration the nurse practitioners, the physician assistants, the OTs, PTs, RDs, all of whom comprise a lifestyle medicine practice team. All are very important members of, of the team. The doctor may be the quarterback of the team, but it takes all the members of the team to effectively practice lifestyle medicine. Mm. So one, one thing that I hear from doctors is a concern about changing the way they practice in terms of pressure from HMOs, from, from insurance companies, from patients who, where there's kind of an expectation of standard of care. Let's say someone comes in with elevated cholesterol. If you don't give them the statin and if you, if you suggest reading Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease or watching Forks Over Knives, you could be in trouble. Does, does, is, is that uh, overblown, or is that, is that actually a, a, a factor for doctors? Unfortunately, we have a situation in this country where we have direct-to-consumer advertising for pharmaceuticals. I believe there's only two countries in the world that allows direct-to-consumer advertising for pharmaceuticals. So patients have been, uh, you know, sort of... Well, they falsely believe now that when they go in to see their doctor, that if they don't walk out with a script, that their doctor has not done his or her job. And, you know, what, what a travesty that is. But the system has really, you know, brought that to become the, the status quo. And, uh, and that is not sustainable. 
that is not in the best interest of patients. I mean, you know, we, we often say in the true spirit of the Hippocratic Oath, which is to do no harm, unfortunately, too many of our physicians have been unknowingly doing harm. Uh, by over-medicating, over-prescribing. Certainly, pharmaceuticals have their place and have been a blessing and are and will continue to be in so many ways. But a pill for every ill is not the answer. It's not in the best interest of patients. It is not sustainable. I think that we are truly in the midst of a seismic shift in healthcare right now because there is this recognition that what we're doing is not sustainable. We cannot continue to, uh, to shoulder the chronic rise in these chronic disease trends that are lifestyle-related, these lifestyle-driven uh, diseases. We must uh, begin to have a lifestyle medicine first treatment approach if we ever want to have sustainable health and sustainable health care in this country. I think that with accountable care organizations coming to the forefront, with all of this talk about shifting from a fee-for-service to a more value outcome-based system of medicine, this is really, really good news, that the conversation is there. But what hasn't happened yet, the reality that will enable us to shift from a fee-for-service to a value and outcome-based uh, healthcare delivery system, it, it hasn't all integrated yet because, you know, we with the American College of Lifestyle Medicine and many in this space, you know, we, we often say that the only way that we are going to achieve the kind of um, improved outcomes and improved value that, that we desire is if lifestyle medicine becomes the foundation of that transformed healthcare system. And there is, there is a move afoot for that to become a reality. We still have a long way to go, but, uh, but the good news is that the conversation has been elevated and there's growing recognition that, uh, that this, is, this is the answer. Mm-hmm. So a number of my listeners are physicians who, if they're listening, and this isn't their first time and someone hasn't shoved this in their face, are already more or less on board. But a lot, most, most of the people who are listening to this are patients, right? They um, or ordinary folks, and they have a doctor or a, ser- a set of doctors, and those doctors are more or less open to or antagonistic toward this idea of lifestyle medicine and plant-based nutrition. How do you recommend that we talk to our doctors, right? So the pharmaceutical companies say, talk to your doctor about Viagra. Um, How do we talk to our doctors about broccoli in a way that that doesn't shut them down or, 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 you know, lead lead to, um, to stalemates? Again, this goes back to really, you know, the, the driving impetus behind creating the Plantrition Project was the recognition that until physicians in particular learn about, understand, and embrace the power of lifestyle medicine and of whole food plant-based nutrition, the broad sweeping shift that we need to see amongst the patient population will be ever elusive because a doctor's word is often second only to God's. And so if that patient you, me, our neighbors, 
see Folk Forks Over Knives or read many of the books that are out there that, uh, that are really starting to bring to light the power of lifestyle medicine and whole food plant-based nutrition. If we read that and feel compelled to change, yet we go to our physician or he or she says, oh, that is hogwash. You know, where will you get your protein? Where will you get your calcium? Because there's all these myths out there that have been propagated through very powerful advertising campaigns, uh, et cetera. And, uh, and so they often hold the trump card. And, and that's one of the things that, uh, that we are trying to address through the work that we're doing with, within these organizations. Uh, but, but I think that what's wonderful is that patients are becoming empowered. I mean, you look at Forks Over Knives, they have over, what, five or 600,000 followers on Facebook. Uh, and, and all of the followers that nutritionfacts.org has, that, uh, you know, from Caldwell Esselstyn and T. Colin Campbell to Dean Ornish and Neil Barnard and uh, David Katz is, is one of the LinkedIn thought leaders with, you know, well over a half a million followers. So it's these voices that are able to really have an impact. And I think that patients need to understand that they are powerful in this equation and they need to take advantage of the resources that are now available uh, through, through the Internet and, and through, you know, YouTube. And, you know, as I said, uh, we have great resources on both the American College of Lifestyle Medicine website as well as at resources.plantritionproject.org uh, where, you know, individuals can – can easily educate themselves and begin to take control. And, and, uh, and even, we even have a downloadable letter on the Plantrition Project site that you download and take to your physician that invites them to, uh, to learn about the, the power of preventive nutritional medicine. So, you know, we have to, you know, understand that we as patients can have enormous influence on our position, uh, not only with the inter information, but how we live our lives. And, uh, you know, I've heard so many stories about, you know, physicians that had patients that came into them and, and the doctor would say, oh my goodness, you know, your blood pressure is normalized, your cholesterol is normalized, what in the world are you doing? And, and the patient's able to share about the lifestyle changes they've made that have enabled them to you know, really treat themselves in, in many ways. You know, we always advise patients to, you know, never make drastic changes without conferring first with their own personal physician, uh, but it's definitely a partnership, and patients can have a, uh, a wonderful impact on continuing to even teach their own healthcare practitioners about things that are working in their own lives. Mm. So I'm, I'm, I'm hearing, uh, first of all, make be the change. So get, get those stellar blood work results. Have your doctor sort of shake their head and wonder because they've never seen anything like it before. Um, I'm also hearing to kind of be, be partners. Um, and, you know, doctors are not known for humility. <laughs> <laughs> many of them. Right. And, and so, you know, to present the information in a non-threatening way, almost like, uh, you know, gee whiz, look at this stuff I came across. There's this really cool website. And I, I wanted, you know, I wanted to know what you thought about this. Could you take a look and we could talk about it? But also, 
I think with the um, plant-based docs um, directory that we, we really can be a little bit, you know, we don't have to be totally deferential. We can also vote with our feet in our wallets and say, look, if, you know, oh, if you're not going to take yeah, care of me, there's someone down the road who will. Howard, that is so true. And, and that's one of the reasons that, uh, you know, on the American College of Lifestyle Medicine website, which is lifestylemedicine.org, under the About Us tab, there's a Find a Lifestyle Medicine Practitioner. So, and that's specifically designed for patients that are interested in finding a clinician who is committed to a lifestyle medicine first approach with plantbaseddocs.org, exactly the same. It is a directory, global directory of physicians, medical practitioners who really have taken the time to educate themselves about, to understand and to embrace, and have committed to integrate a preventive nutritional medicine approach to their practices. Not that medications will never be necessary, but it, it, these are medical professionals who are committed to a lifestyle medicine first, a whole food plant-based nutrition first approach to treatment. And, uh, and, and that's what's so exciting. And, and there is this, uh, this growing awareness. I mean, I, I will say, and, and, and you may feel the same way, Howard, that for many years, from the time that I had my paradigm shift back in late 2007 and just felt compelled to dedicate, you know, my professional life to this mission, really to this, to this revolution, uh, I would awaken so many mornings and feel like I am pushing the boulder up the mountain. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you knew that it, you were committed to this cause, but there was so much resistance from so many different directions. And I no longer feel that way. I don't wake up in the morning and feel like I'm pushing the boulder up the hill. I now wake up in the morning and feel like I am part of a movement. I am part of a movement of passionate individuals who have come together, uh, most of whom are medical professionals because of the world in which I live, but they are committed to advancing the mission and the message of lifestyle medicine. Uh, you know, when we talk about what's at stake, what's at stake, again, it's the solvency of the nation. It's the vitality of its people. And so, you know, what could be an, a more important driver behind what, you know, what we do? Right. Um, so I just, a metaphor just came to me <laughs> and, uh, around, you know, say pharmaceuticals are still important and will always be important, which is, you know, if you're, if you're driving a car and the brakes fail and you crash into a tree or the engine seizes and you get hit from behind, like Western medicine is kind of like, okay, let's take you to the auto body shop. <laughs> Right. As, as opposed to let's fix the engine, let's fix the brakes. And the auto body shop is important. It's always going to be it's always going to be necessary. But right. so, so much of our our pharmaceutical model of treatment or in the, in the surgical model is, you know, just let's patch up the thing that looks like it was broken as opposed to dealing with that with that root cause. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, that even brings to mind, uh, well, in both. Present. Dean Ornish often uses this uh, 
uh, it's kind of a cartoon in one of his presentations. And, uh, and then Hans Deal recently had a similar cartoon. Dr. Kim Williams, who's president of the American College of Cardiology, he has used the same one. And it, it shows uh, it's people in a, uh, in a room that's flooding. And they have mops, and they're trying to mop up, mop up the flood. Yet the faucet is on, and it's still continuing to pour out water onto the floor. And, you know, and, and really uh, the parallel is that that's what we're doing with chronic disease. We haven't turned off the faucet. We just continue to try to mop up the floor, and we have to turn off the faucet. And the way we turn off the faucet is to identify and eradicate the root cause, which all too often is tied directly to our lifestyle. And, and, and you know, the exciting news is we do, the tools now exist to be able to educate, equip, and empower people to take control to a very large extent. So we do turn off that faucet. You had a, a career out of bringing together Kind of un- unlikely groups from uh, from the city to to Ruby, you know, uh, to to doctors. What's what's next? What do you see you being involved in? What what are the, the the projects sort of close to your heart that you're envisioning over the next five ten years? I, I think you, I think I'm where I'm going to be as long as God allows me to keep breathing and working. You know, I always say retirement is not a word that's in the Bible, so I don't intend to ever, ever retire. And so I, I feel like I've got a lot, you know, several good decades left. And, uh, and I'm so committed to the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. I'm committed to the True Health Initiative uh, and to the Plantrician Project, which, uh, you know, so close to my heart, always will be. These all work very synergistically together. You know, it's all about I'm so committed to this audience of reaching physicians and medical practitioners. Part of it is that it has exponential impact. You know, for every physician who has that paradigm shift and, and understands changing his or her practice to a lifestyle medicine, whole food, plant-based nutrition first approach to treatment, he or she is reaching five or 6,000 patients potentially. So there's such exponential impact with the healthcare population, and it's so, so very important. Uh, you know, we're continuing to expand our conferences. We're seeing just incredible growth in the American College of Lifestyle Medicine's membership, in the attendees of the conferences that we're producing through both ACLM and the Plantrician Project. Uh, you know, we'll continue to develop additional curriculum uh, that reach both uh, practicing clinicians as well as, you know, for medical schools and for residents. Uh, We'll support that in helping to develop as well as, you know, helping to get the word about out about other great educational resources that exist. Uh, we have a very active professionals in training movement through the American College of Lifestyle Medicine that's reaching both medical students and residents, you know, helping to bring them into the lifestyle medicine fold. Um, you know, we also are addressing things related to effective practice models in lifestyle medicine, uh, as well as continuing to develop tools like the Plant-Based Nutrition Quick Start Guide, Culinary Rx. Uh, the resource portal, et cetera, that we've done over on the Plantrician Project side, all designed to meet the needs 
of clinicians and those they serve through producing educational events, tools, and resources. There's a big world out there that, uh, that need the good news of lifestyle medicine and of whole food plant-based nutrition. And so for me personally, I'm definitely committed to continuing the work in this space and, uh, and exponentially growing what we're doing. Our hope is that we will quadruple the size of ACLM's membership within the 12, next 12 to 18 months. And I'm very confident that that will happen as more and more uh, healthcare professionals recognize the power of lifestyle medicine. Right on, right on. Well, Susan Benegas, um, it's such a delight to talk to you to get this, um, you know, in, infusion of, of hope and inspiration and confidence. And I'm so glad that you're doing the work you're doing and you're bringing your skill set and, and your energy to this movement that so, uh, so sorely needs it. And so uh, I don't want to thank you for, for taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you, Howard. My pleasure. Thanks for everything you're doing. We're on the same team. Right on. All right. Be well, Susan. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Susan Benegas. If you are a doctor, I hope you will check out the links on today's show notes, which is at plantyourself.com slash 135. The number's 135. And if you know a doctor, you can send them to those links as well. And please invite them to listen to this interview. It could change the way they practice medicine from disease treatment to actually providing health care. Got some thank yous for today. I want to thank big thanks to a couple of patrons of the show, Tammy Black and Gio Argentati, whose um, contributions have allowed me to purchase comfortable new studio monitor headphones. And when you have no hair on your head, comfort is really important in headphones. And so thank you so much. It makes it much easier for me to, uh, to listen and edit for long periods of time without having to pull them off and rub my ears. I would love to thank you next week for your patronage of the Plant Yourself podcast. Um, I'll be setting up a Patreon account, but for right now, there is a donate button on the right sidebar of every single page at plantyourself.com. As I've been planning for 2016, um, one of the things I want to do is more podcasting, more sharing, more free information out into the world. And in order to do that, I have to fund it. And of all the ways that you can fund something like this, um, I really did not want to do advertising. Uh, I think it just puts me in too compromised a position to keep speaking my truth. So that left me with patronage, with people donating uh, the way you would to uh, NPR or something like that, uh, and also selling my own products and services. So I'll be doing a little bit of that. I'll be mentioning the fact that I offer concierge consulting services and I have some online products that can help you get healthy, mostly online courses or personal coaching, things like that. I'll try to keep it uh, short and brief so it doesn't get as annoying as an NPR fund drive. Um, but in terms of patronage, that feels like a great way to, to get feedback for people who appreciate the work I'm doing and that it's, it's free to everyone in the world. And if you enjoy it and benefit from it and would like to... Uh, hear more of it or would like other people to hear more of it, that's a great way to, to let me know. And obviously, if you don't have the means to contribute, of course, please keep listening. You are my guest. You are the reason I'm doing this. In 2016, I am planning to start a probably live, depending on the technical considerations, a call-in show 
where it's me and a guest and you and your questions and conversations. So it's not just the interview format, but more of a Q&A, self-help, think uh, sort of car talk around health with rotating guests. If you're a new listener to the Plant Yourself podcast, please subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. You can do so right from plantyourself.com. If you go to the show notes for any of the episodes, you'll see a player with helpful links that will allow you to uh, subscribe. You can also leave me a review on iTunes. Uh, I want to thank Texas Vegan for your review uh, this month of the uh, Plant Yourself podcast. Texas Vegan says, I've been listening to these podcasts for a while. I think they're awesome. Howard does an excellent job asking his guests all the questions I would be curious about. I really love the podcast with Kathy Hester. After listening, I wanted to buy every cookbook of hers. She sounded so nice and authentic. Thank you, Howard, for having such an array of great guests that I enjoy listening to every week. Texas Vegan, thank you so much. A couple of reflections on that. If you if you want to listen to the Kathy Hester interview, it's at plantyourself.com slash 133. And that's such a great compliment that I'm asking the questions that you would want asked because my role model for interviewing is Terry Gross of Fresh Air. And I'm always amazed that she asks the question that's on my mind. And so for me to get that kind of feedback means a huge amount. In garden news, it's been a crazy warm Christmas week, but that has meant we were able to have an outdoor Boxing Day celebration with some guests who uh, we brought the kids out into the garden and they picked, among other things, mustard greens that we cooked up for dinner. And they really enjoyed how spicy those mustard greens were, uh, fresh and raw off the stem, and how they mellowed when they were cooked down. We used a uh, modification of a recipe by uh, Chef Bryant Terry from his book Afro Vegan. And they were really sweet and mellow and delicious with just a hint of that sharpness. So my wish for you is if there is sharpness in your life that you find a way to embrace it, to saute it, to mellow it, to um, mix it in with other good things and turn it into something delicious, beautiful, and nourishing that you can share. And as always, be well, my friends.